Hello and welcome to Say That, the podcast where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. And joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. I've been behaving. It's almost certainly not true. Also joining us, Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. I think that's really a matter of opinion, man. Uh, yeah. And the unanimous opinion is almost certainly no. <laughs> that's correct. Joining us all the way from Oakridge, Tennessee, a man who has probably not been behaving but can fake it better than the rest of us. His name is Lee Younger, and he's one of the pastors of Christ Community Church. I've known Glenn for a long time. I've never seen the behaving piece happen yet. Yeah. It's normally only in situations where his his life is threatened if he doesn't. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That could be by gang members. That could be by church ladies. That could yeah. be by a wife. But Yeah. Even then, he's pushing it, right? <laughs> yeah, it's sort of in short yeah. bursts, and you can tell it's not really natural. <laughs> sure. Yeah, it's really sure. not. It's not from the heart. Well, you don't sure. see it. You don't want to pull a hammy. Yeah, you, you see a dog walk on his hind legs. It, 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 it it's for, adorable. For a second, it's adorable. Then it kind of becomes creepy, and then you just want him to stop. Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of how it is when I behave. You know, I, I would think it's also a bit like seeing elephants walk on their hind legs at the circus. Right. And that it's impressive in a way, but then it's kind of creepy. And then it dawns on you, that elephant doesn't want to be doing that. That's yeah. Right. That's right. There's yeah, a whole dark exactly backstory right. to someone yeah. forcing this this animal to behave in a way that's inconsistent with its desires. And that's exactly what my life is. <laughs> it's good. It's good. I like that. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that almost sounds like the premise for a movie. Really? And I, I bring that up because I declare a very elegant emergency. Wow. Ooh. Oh. Because we record this on Sunday, uh, February the 26th, and it is the evening of the Academy Awards. Ah. Oh. So I figured that in order to kind of be on brand and be of the, of the moment, maybe try to get some... Some some new folks engaged. We sh- you know, you're supposed to kind of jump on the big moments and do your specials and posts and stuff. Yeah. So I, you know, if we, we do an Oscar thing. Yeah. May- but maybe to put our own spin on it, we would do what we think that the best Christian movies of the year were. Oh, it's very in certain whole. ways. Oh. A Christian podcast and sure right. thing. Right. Sort of a red carpet. Yeah. Kind of our own spin. You know, yeah. every every blog you read this week or TV show will be like, it's the Oscars of avocados or whatever right. they do, but it's right, the Oscar right. version. Right. Um, so do we need a theme song for that? If you if you have one. <laughs> I just imagine the person who literally listened to this show for the first time. <laughs> I can't imagine anyone ever does. Um, but here, Let me if, tell you what, people, no matter how, what, walk of life, whatever it is, they love falsetto scat theme songs to fake award shows, and that's what makes us universal. It's what binds us together. Yes. It's, it's what makes us all human. One I, I, believe, I believe it was yeah. Aristotle who said that. Yes. Yes. Well, if you, if you are a, a new person to the show, um, you should know a couple things. One is, for whatever happens for now for the rest of the episode, Glenn's going to be happy. That's mm-hmm. right. Because he got to do the theme song. Yeah. Um, the other is... That's, uh, a, that's the only reason why I showed up today. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a little... <laughs> every once in a while, I would do a little thing for Glenn. That's okay. Yeah, that's right. Uh, the other thing is, I didn't watch any Christian movies this year. Nor oh, should you. That's good. Any of you guys... 
Yeah. No Christian movies. No. No. Because no. we did the we did like the we watched the God's Not Dead at Halloween, but that was last year. Yeah. Yeah. Showing not or up on the thing. That probably needs to be they, qualified in in that you watched about twenty minutes of the God's Not Dead, right? Yeah. yeah. The yeah. Woody did insist on scrubbing to the end to see how it ended. Right. Even though we looked it up. Not well. Not super well. Hercules gets murdered in a newsboys concert, which <laughs> bad movie, good sentence. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I, I really feel that the the con from a, a content angle, the Oscar Christian Oscar special is still good. You think anybody notice or care if we just made up movies? I'd no, enjoy it. I, I think it seems uh, good. Yes, it's one of those things. That, like they'll be sitting there saying, "Like, ooh, I didn't hear about that." I have sure. To go, we sound yeah. like we got the inside buzz. Very yeah. indie. Totally. That's right. Yeah. Totally. I can dig that. Well, and, and feel free to jump in, but I'll start. I'll start us off. Right. Um, in the category of best nominee for best Christian movie, I think. Um, right. Uh, God's not dead, but he's tired of your crap. <laughs> right. Because it sounds yeah. plausible. We had sure, God's yeah. not dead. Then we had God's not dead to suing secularism. I guess. Sure. Yeah. Yes. Clarissa a, sues secularism. I think that's what happened. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think the ACLU is the bad guy. That I movie. think that's actually literally way true. to pick the right side of things, Christian. <laughs> yes, yeah. but I like God's still not dead, but he's real tired of what you people are doing. Yeah, right, right. Um, I think we can stick with the sequels. That's the other thing to lend credibility. People, are like, oh, I didn't know there was a sequel to that. I'll, I'll check it out. Right. Um, before God's not dead, uh, these guys. This is even before I moved up here. Did do a staged watching of Fireproof. Indeed, we did. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. There was, we sort of did a Mystery Science Theater 3000 version of that. Yeah, it got dark real fast. Except not recorded, yeah. and that's for the best for all of us. It was inappropriate. It got real. <laughs> um, but he, I figured you could do a whole series. Sure. Right? Kind of uh, Avatar style. Okay. Right. So we had Fireproof. Okay. Yep. The sequel, not as high as stakes, but still waterproof. Sure. Yes. Right. I figure in that the main character is Kirk Cameron's sweater. Okay, yes. that's good. I like that. And it's all about the actual waterproofing <laughs> right. yes. process that Scotch that goes guards. through. Very good. Yes. Scotch guard the movie. You know I'm going to say moisture wicking, but just keep yeah, going. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's very good. It's pretty much the opposite of waterproofness, but yeah. 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 Um, and I, I hear, here's one I think will we'll get a lot of buzz. I like a lot of waves on this one. I, feel, I think this is something we can build out. So obviously, best Christian erotic thriller of the year. Okay. And I'm going to go with Fifty Shades of Chick-fil-A. Yes. Yes. <laughs> This isn't a category, but if you eat Chick Fil A a lot, you're going to enjoy the tagline: Fifty Shades of Chick Fil A, our pleasure." Wow, that was Matthew King yeah, no, for anyone. Know, and now I'm happy, and that's the whole reason I want to do it with my bit, so we could end the podcast now, and I'd be I'd be good. Um, obviously, this is this would be a, a big hit. Um, the mega church pastor whose mega church funded this movie is amazing. The movie. Yeah, that's a lot yeah. of people in those categories. Yeah, I think that would that what that would do is it's kind of skipping us to the end. Yeah, this is really what it is. So let's just say it. It, it is kind of you know when they give out the best picture award, you think well who who actually accepts the award? Is it the director's guy or the screenplay? It's the producers. Yeah, that's right. When you watch it, it's the people who put the money down for it. So right. I think. I think people appreciate that level of it's honesty. It's sort of a snakes on a plane style approach yeah. to, yeah, to the movies. You know. This is what it is. Yeah. Feel bad the movie in the sense of snakes on a plane. Right, right, right. It's a whole just, thing. Yeah, just, uh, yeah, 
Whatever you do, don't date anybody. Yes, the movie. Well, the well movie. I think that brings us to an important... I think this one... I love you guys' help. I think we can flesh out a whole category. So obviously, one of the Academy Award nom, uh, categories is Best Adapted Screenplay. Right. So what would be the kind of thing that could be a movie adapted right. from a Christian book? Mm, yeah. For Best Adapted Christian Screenplay. Well, systematic yes. theology of the movie would definitely that would be in <laughs> sure. in the running. That it would, would drag. Extension. Yeah, it would be it would be Lord of the Rings extended edition levels. Yeah, no, it's it's a nine hour film, but yeah. uh, it's it's very rewarding. Can we? You know? do, and I'm just putting this out there, please. And if you don't like it, you just send it right back. Okay. Can the systematic theology the movie be claymation? Yes. 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 <laughs> right. Yes. That just feels Claymation right. Claymation of substitutionary atonement. Yeah. Strap yeah. in, folks. Dude, it's yeah. gonna be amazing. I yeah. like. It. I like it a lot. A lot. Uh, well, obviously, Glenn, you mentioned I kiss dating goodbye. Right. I think there's good. You could definitely adapt that into a kind of children of men apocalypse style. Wow. Right. Whereas we've been doing I kiss dating goodbye for a couple of generations, and now there's no more babies. Right. It's and an people apocalyptic just kind of wander around in post-apocalyptic hordes, not talking to anyone, right? For fear of accidentally sinning, right? So I, I kissed humanity goodbye. If that's you will. that's a, yeah. that's a winner, right? Yeah, that's good. And that's that's a go picture. I need a a guy <laughs> riding around in a souped-up car, sure, Mad Max style. Yes, on that. Yes. Mad Max Lucado is what you're talking. Mad about. Mad Max Lucado. Oh goodness nice. gracious! He, that's yes. really good. He can't, he can't get a date. There's no dating. There's no people. Yeah, there's no yeah. nothing. You know. Well, I think in in, in full Marvel movie uh, kind of capitalism, we have just in in I kiss humanity by we have the Mad Max Lucado characters go by in the background. Right. But that's just to set up his own movie. Yeah. Exactly. That's right. right. Exactly. That's, right. that's going to be a whole series. So yeah, yeah, say yeah. that universe. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah Max yeah. Lucado <laughs> in a giant souped up a tumbler going around a post apocalyptic landscape, but giving very uh, uplifting sermons to people. Yeah. I've got one adapted, you know, from the you know best adapted from the screenplay. Um, but you got to wait because there's four words at the end. Okay, it's okay. really gonna take it up. Okay, John Calvin's Institutes of the Christian Religion, sure, produced by Michael Bay. Oh wow! wow. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, oh, just predestined for explosion. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, it does it have like is is. And again, if I don't want to try and trample on your hey, you know, not at all, man. Like, it's a collaborative process. It, it can there be like a total depravity yeah. is in the form of a giant robot? Yes, sure. absolutely. Yeah, but then it's taken out by a tulip that yeah. fires the five yeah. different petals right. of absolutely. Calvinism and right. causes explosions all over the total depravity. That's yeah. and Megan Fox is there. Okay, so, yeah. well, I think we've got all the ingredients for an amazing movie. Yeah, I, mean, I, I got a, I got a couple I want to pitch you guys way. Absolutely, a, a couple of movies, but also a couple of award categories. I think that we should. Definitely, I think that's good. I think we should definitely see some awards for. We need this uh, show to go six hours. Apparently, so. yeah, Sancta Photography. Uh, oh gosh, that's oh, great. Very we need, nice. Um, we need to award. You know, uh, you know, a lot of people don't know this, but you know, Jesus. Often, you know, would would kind of rail people for being hypocrites, and that was just the the Greek word for an actor. So we need like the first hypocrite in a leading role. Yes, you right. know. Yes. Um, also, We're gonna have to I, explain that category, or the nominations yeah. are gonna get personal. Yeah, I think. Right. Uh, I think hypocrite we're going of the to. Year. I think we're also <laughs> going to need hypocrite. We're also going to need to hand out some awards for teeth editing 
obviously, if this is the yeah. Christian sure. Oscars. But as far as as far as for uh, some movies, you know, I thought I thought Gone with the Sin is definitely yeah, going to nice. be up there. Nice. Um, snake handling on a plane. Yeah, it's good. And, uh, nice, and nice, my nice. favorite, the, the one that I was really voting for this year was Inglorious Pastors. Nice. Wow. wow. I yes. mean, I think they're going to yeah. sweep, to be honest with you. It was a, it was a great yeah. movie. Yeah. yeah. That's well played, sir. That's I can't well think of any references off that that aren't <laughs> awful. <laughs> well, you know, but we what, can recognize that's just good stuff. Well, yeah. Lee's opening up a whole new thing here. Instead of doing Oscars for fake Christian movies, we ought to be giving Oscar awards for what's happening in church on Sunday. Okay. Okay. Wow. So, you know, best fake. Uh, greeting of uh, you know sure. uh, best fake how are you doing yes wow so yes if I say Jed how are you doing and you say I'm, I'm, you know, I didn't fine. believe that really <laughs> yeah yeah it's like does he really commit to it does he yeah. really get in there yeah you know? uh, yeah you got to send your reel out you know uh, not to cut you off but also you know uh, best unspoken prayer request. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yes, I think unspoken prayer request the movie is the way to go. Yeah, <laughs> the the you know best you know best lighting rig yeah. of your church. Yep. You know best PowerPoint. It's most really real prayer right from now. a worship leader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tightest shirt. Yes, tightest t-shirt. Leader, yeah, your costume design. <laughs> yeah, best costume design. That's right. Yeah, you know. So, you know. Uh, I, well, I think in the sense of the categories. Um, I, Lee's talked about you know rebranding the actor category, which I think is brilliant. Now, it, obviously, there are supporting actor and actor categories, and what is supporting if not enabling? Right, oh, best wow. enabling actor in this church. Yeah, yeah, there you go. There you go. You know, that's good. Yeah, and I I think just just uh, sermon examples, you know, sermon anecdotes yeah. and and stories. That's a whole category right there. No I mean, like most obscure. <laughs> least relatable sure yeah, well you know. and obviously to take from the oscars we can have best original sermon example versus best <laughs> yeah. adapted from a website you pay to get sermon examples yeah. from. Sermon example. that's right that's right yeah yeah so i think we've got you know because that's going to build a lot of tension people yeah. totally. tune in like you know did i did i make it you know yeah. and other people are going to be like you know it's just an honor to be nominated yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Of course, then there's like the missionaries and the people who do the the youth ministry and visit old people. Yeah, no, those are like the technical that. awards. Yeah, yeah. those early. That's right. We don't really. You, you know, have to go to the website no to find out who won those. I mean, a lot of them are locks, but yeah. yeah, there's no there's no real time for a speech. We don't really give them dinner, but it's yeah. it's, it's adorable. Mm-hmm. Sure. So I think I think the the church awards. I think yeah, it's we good. have both the Christian the made up movies we didn't see Christian Oscars right and the church Oscars. Yeah, I think right. this is gonna be a whole cottage industry for us. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. On that note, I declare award emergency off. <laughs> nice. That's good. Now, of course, the, another category that we'd have to have is best original song, mm. as they do at the Oscars. And because it's our awards, they're all going to be from Bridgebox. Yes. Because yes. oh. stuffing the ballot box a bit. We do put out Bridgebox. Every month, there's a new one coming out. Uh, right as you're hearing this, has just come out. The topic for March is "What Does Failure Say About Me?" Very good. Uh, it, it's it's nice. It's it's all positive stuff. Yeah. You're not going to curveball you on that. Yeah, 
failure to write about you. <laughs> no, no, no it's, it's not that kind of thing. It's, no. it's, it's about the encouragement. It's sermons and uh, original songs and Bible studies and videos and lots of good stuff. And most importantly, you get to support the ministry we're doing up here and what Lee does down there in Tennessee. It's all for only $8 a month. Now is a great time to jump on missionusa.com slash bridgebox. All right, we're going to go to our first question here. It comes in anonymously to our Tumblr inbox, and it says, I've been struggling with procrastination and time management and depression and anxiety for a long time. Feels like I'll never get better at this, like I constantly am failing over and over. There's been times where I just give up, but for the grace of God, he gets me going again. Have you dealt with this? And if so, what has worked for you getting out of it? And Jed, why don't you start us off? Well, my friend, I'm sorry for what you're dealing with. Uh, we, we love you. We're praying for you. To answer your question, I have dealt with this, so it, it is terrain I'm a little bit familiar with. But let's start with a really, really practical uh, bit for a second. And that, my question to you is, do you have the tools that you need in order to manage your time? Um, human beings are not born knowing how to do that. Uh, at some point, uh, you have to learn how to do that. Someone has to teach you how to do that, and that's fine. Um, but if, if you've never learned how to do it, then it would actually make sense that it would be a little bit of a struggle. So... It w- and it would be worth pointing out here, I think you're absolutely done on what you're saying, and also that time management as a skill is different from hard work. Yes, deeply different. Hard work, study mm-hmm. skills, that's, those are all different. They may en- Time management may encompass being a good worker, but the idea that I kind of procrastinate and manage my time, well, that's, that's a little different than laziness. It's a little different than just not wanting to work at something. Absolutely. No, no question about it. I'm going to describe three things to you that are, that are tools. They're just tools that you use to get a job done. In the same way a hammer's a tool, a saw's a tool, a nail's a tool, the same thing. These are just tools. They're, they're neither right nor wrong, but they're, they're useful. So the first is, do you know how to create a schedule? Do you, do you know how to look out ahead and say, there are five things I need to do this week. Here's the week before me. I will do thing A on this day and thing B on this day and thing C on this other day. Um, do you know how to do that? that? That's the essence of creating a schedule. And actually, I want to be clear. It's okay to say no. It's okay right. to say, I, mm-hmm. I think I know how to do that, but I've kind of never done it before because um, we've all had a point in our life where we haven't done that before. That's, mm-hmm. that's okay. But if that's a new thing, that's part of the answer to the thing you're dealing with here is learning the mechanical skill of creating a schedule, taking a calendar, whether it's written, you know, it's physical or electronic, but saying, I'm going to do the, this thing on this day and this thing on this day and so forth. Similarly, do you know how to budget time? In the same way that you budget money, you say, I've got $100 to spend this week, so I'm going to put this many dollars into groceries, and put this, this goes for my phone bill, and this goes for new socks. We actually, uh, people have to do the same thing with time. You know, I have, I have three hours of available time to put into homework this mm-hmm. week, so I can't, I probably don't want to put all three hours into my history class because that will leave no time for these other classes. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to put 45 minutes into this class. I'm going to put 30 minutes into this class. And again, it's okay if you say, I've, I've never done that before, but this is a, a, a tool that will help you. Um, it's a practical tool that will help you with the problem that you've got. The one final thing is the idea of taking, if you've got a large task, breaking it down into smaller deliverable pieces, Right. So I'm guessing you're in school. When I was in school, I was, I was an engineering student, so I didn't write a lot of papers, but I did a lot of, of big projects, right? Um, so every week, I would have very, very large homework assignments that, that were due that were going to take a lot of work to get done. It's a mistake to say, now I will sit down and do this assignment, because you can't really do it in one sitting. Mm-hmm. But I could say, this is a problem set with six problems in it. I'm going to deal with problem one 
today, and then we'll deal with problem two tomorrow. And that's that's taking a large thing as an overall assignment and breaking it down into pieces, and I can do it a piece at a time. Again, that sounds kind of obvious, but if you've never done it before, then it's new to you, and that's okay. We all start where we start. But if you can, whether it's brand new or something maybe done a little bit of, if you can look at figuring out how to reliably create a schedule, how to budget your time and break down big tasks into little bite-sized pieces, that will help with a lot of what you're facing. Mm -hmm. It doesn't sound like spiritual stuff, and on its own, it's not, but it's a big part of the overall problem that you're facing. I think that's absolutely right, and Lee, I'd love to give you to expand kind of another aspect of this, and I think there's going to be some strong tie-ins. Our friend mentions dealing with depression and anxiety, and I think there's a, a... a temptation to see these things as linked, which they are, but not necessarily in the way they are. I think there's a uh, a sense to think that I am proc- I have problems with time management. Therefore, I'm always running late on things. I'm always uh, kicking myself about that. Therefore, right. I get anxious about that and mm. am depressed as a part of that. There's a chance that's how it's going. Much more likely is you have some issues on the depression anxiety tip you need to deal with yeah. uh, at best concurrent and probably before – that you're going to be in the right mental space to deal with the kind of stuff Jed is talking about, which is all very good and practical. But Lee, yep. can you walk us through some of these getting on that road to, if you want to tackle the, a lot of times in the show, we will, uh, we will champion tackling a small thing before you get to the big thing. That's often the right way to go things. In yep. this case, we kind of have to tackle the thing that's at the root of this before we can tackle yep. all the, uh, the uh, branches. Can you walk us through that a little bit? Yeah. One thing that's really interesting, having worked with young people for a long time, is that most uh, most young people who are struggling with depression um, as, you know, like kind of all the time kind of deal, um, they they don't learn it until they're like way out of high school, college, that kind of stuff. They don't see it that way. They don't have the language to discuss it in that way. They've, they've never really talked about it. And then they wind up kind of in their mid, late 20s and realize like, wow, I like I've been depressed like a lot of my life. And I never really had the language to discuss that. I never really had anybody that asked me the right questions so that I was able to figure that out. But actually, you know, the way that you pose this question saying, I'm struggling with depression and anxiety, that's a bigger win than you think it is. Knowing that that's what you're dealing with is actually a, it's actually a huge first step to being able to get past it. As Matt's saying, this is a core thing that is affecting a lot of different stuff in your life. And until we can until we can get um, some strategy and to kind of get back on the playing field from from that huge blow of being of of the the depression anxiety that you're dealing with, uh, some of the some of the smaller steps of the of the prioritizing you know the the little things in your life are are going to feel very difficult to all the way to completely overwhelming, um, and so this is a situation where. When you can recognize that about yourself, you're already in a really, really good place. Um, like I'm saying, there's a, there's a lot of folks who just, it's like they're they're down. They have they're in the doldrums. They're having tough day after day. Small things seem overwhelming, and they just don't know that that's what they're dealing with. Like, and and the idea that you could step back and say, like, I think I'm depressed. That that may in some way feel like a defeat, but it's not. It's a humongous victory to be able to say, this is what I'm going through. And to be able to say, I, I, th- I think that I am struggling with anxiety. I think I'm struggling with depression. And then I can talk to some professional people who can help me. 
Um, you can talk to your GP, your, your family doctor. You can talk to a counselor at your school. You can talk to a pastor at your church. You can talk to someone who's older than you in your life, who has a strong walk with the Lord, who may have, who may have dealt, you know, may have experienced talking to folks who have gone through this or have gone through it themselves. There may be a fleet of folks that you could talk to where you can start to really get some handholds on how to, how to deal with these bouts of depression, or as some people describe them, like the, you know, different waves of depression for, you know, for a few days at a time, I feel like I'm underneath, you know, this mountain and stuff like that. And it it may be that you need to um, get started on some different medication. It may be that you need to meet with a counselor on a regular basis. Maybe there, there's a pastor around you who can help you kind of walk through com- some of the spiritual elements of facing and fighting, you know, through depression and stuff like that on a, you know, on a daily basis and everything like that. But being able to say, this is where I am. And this is what I'm struggling with. It's actually a huge win. And it's a good thing to be able to call a win a win, to recognize like this is not a small thing. And this kind of actually goes into some of the stuff that Jed was talking about. I think a lot of times what we, the, the way that people see stuff like this is, okay, I, I am a person who struggles with depression and anxiety. So until I get completely past that, until I put depression in my, in my rearview mirror, I am... Um, I am somehow losing a battle to that. And the fact is, when you're facing it down and fighting it, that is a victory and that is a win. That's something that we want to recognize as a win. It's something that we want to celebrate. It's something that you want to get used to being able to recognize and celebrate small victories so that you can, so that, uh, you know, everything becomes less overwhelming. But you're actually in a really good place, being able to recognize this so that you can deal with professional folks who can help you. And then we can start to attack some of this, you know, the procrastination and prioritizing and stuff like that. I think that's absolutely a very smart place to start on this. Glenn, if I can get you to break down an, a, kind of an idea I think we need to attack on this in a certain way is um, as you do these things, Lee's talking about it's going to lead us to things. Jez are talking about a good strategy. Um, I think there's an a temptation to think that this is going to be a series of big breakthroughs. Right. I will, right. you know, the first time I turn in an assignment on time and didn't stress myself out about it, I will feel better, which is true. Yeah. But then I will that carry that strength onto never turning anything wrong again. And then there will be yeah. a trip. There'll inevitably be a trip to the container store right, right by many organizational things. <laughs> right. And it's a whole yes. new me. Yeah, I have yeah, a Liz yeah. Lemon moment. Yeah. But there's a number this isn't really one big behavior. This is a number of small right. cycles right. and kind of a coping mechanisms and a number of things that built up over time. It's gonna take time to break them down, right? That's right. I and I like the way you're laying that out because essentially uh, I think there's a temptation when I have a, a, you know, a negative mindset. Let me just turn that frown upside down. That's a smile, not an upside down frown. That's right. You know, this is not, you know, but when you get into the nuts and bolts of this, the, the depression and the procrastination both feed each other. So mm-hmm. they're two halves of the same cycle. So I, you know, I, I procrastinate then I'm depressed because I procrastinate and I feel like I, I suck as a human being and that makes me want to just put this off a little longer. Mm-hmm. So the procrastination. Well, I have to take some time and really explore how much I suck before I can work <laughs> That's, on this new thing. Yeah, it's just yeah. the procrastination leads to depression, which leads to more procrastination. So it's a it's a cycle. You break that cycle uh, by changing the way that you think. And you you say in here, 
uh, I I constantly am failing over and over. Here's the deal, uh, Buttercup. Everybody does. Yeah, that's life. This is how life works. Um, I think uh, what I would like for you to zoom in on out of all this is the idea of dread, mm-hmm. because dread I think is it's a word we don't use very often. Uh, and I think, I, I wish we heard that more in church. I wish we heard more sermons about that. I wish we were talking, using that in our in our language of our, our faith journey a lot more. Because dread has all the same components of worry, fear, anxiety, but it also has this avoidance component yeah. to it. It has this, dread has a way of, of stopping us in our tracks. Mm. When you just you know, when you want to avoid something, you just find a way to not do that thing. And that doesn't mean that you have a total lack of motivation. It doesn't mean that you're you're a bad human being with a lack of character. It's just you dread the thought of doing that thing. And addressing that, I think, is is super important because this is the thing is— uh, this is what uh, this is what the enemy wants to just slap you in your tracks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that ought to be um, uh, something for us to focus on. One other thought, though, that I think absolutely has to be said uh, as as we're discussing uh, procrastination, all that is, uh, uh, I was in my younger life the original slacker. I mean, you would just not believe. The, the the amount of slacking that I could get going. I mean, it was really epic. But when I discovered something that, uh, in, in this case, a career that I absolutely loved more than I can tell you in words, I went from being the world's worst slacker to being an overworked person almost overnight. Uh, so looking at myself in that, I don't say I went from a lack of character to a lot of character. I was a bad person to a good person. I don't even say I was an irresponsible person to a responsible person. I just really super hated school. <laughs> I, and I, if you put me back there, I'd hate it again. And I'd find a way to procrastinate because I don't like it. You know, uh, I found something that I really, really love and I love doing it. So I think, you know, sometimes it, it's important to, to say, I just hate this, and I hate it because it's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> and the fact that I'm aware of that uh, and everybody else isn't aware of that or is ignoring that is not a lack of character as far as that goes. And uh, maybe if I embrace that truth about myself and say, I'm, I, you know, this is just a dumb, pointless thing. I don't know how many times to, to, put, to nail this down. I don't know how many times college students are talking to me about a struggle they're having with college. And uh, they say, you know, I just, I'm trying to take it seriously. I'm trying to do a good job, but dang, you know, I just, I don't know. I say, oh, well, your your problem is college is stupid. This is a stupid, the whole, uh, (laughs) the whole idea of this is absurd. And immediately the next response is, oh, oh, thank God. That, that makes so much sense. Okay. And they can, they feel much more free to go and do that because now, I know what box to put that in, and I can be at peace with that. I can say it's dumb, but you kind of have to do it in order to get where you're going. Sure. It's you know uh, that makes it easier to bite that bullet. But when you say I'm not doing this because I suck, uh, 
Right. That's different. Right, so I, right. I, I think it's worth examining that stuff and putting it under under the microscope. I think you're absolutely right. And to go back to what Lee was saying, um, if you have, uh, whether it be kind of diagnosable or just kind of a, a slightly higher amount than normal, uh, struggles with depression or anxiety, that's going that the, the message of those things is all all bad things happen because you suck. Right. So right. I, I think you're absolutely right. And what all three of these guys are pointing to here is a different. There's a difference between. There's really no such thing as just a motivated person. Yeah. Right. Right. Just someone who, no matter what you put in front of them, they will be equally motivated to attack right. it with vim and vigor. <laughs> yeah. That would be psychotic. Yeah. There yeah. is such a thing as just an unmotivated person. Right. And whatever you put in front of them, their response will be, nah. Right. That's fair. A lot of times that does rhyme with depression. That's absolutely true. Uh, I will. I will very shortly share my run with this thing, which is similar to Glenn's, but I, th- I think maybe a longer view of it. I was. I super hated school, and mm. school super hated me. That's right. So much so that I got a certified letter inviting me not to come back to school for a little while. <laughs> Been there. Yeah. <laughs> December twenty yeah. third. Thank you, University of Tennessee. That Christmas was super fun. <laughs> um, but I did end up going back because in the meantime I had worked at a factory and I didn't want to do that anymore. Been there too. And so uh, if you gotcha. if, if that's what you do, hey, great for you. I had an option to not do that. I have a feeling if you did, you'd take it as well. Right. So I I go, I go back to school. Um, I I have picked up a lot of the skills Jed has talked about here. Mm. I'm better at managing my time. I'm better at kind of applying. I'm better at uh, re- cutting through what does it actually going to take to get a grade I deem acceptable in this class work-wise as opposed right. to what the professor may be asking me that they want to put in because eh, we're gonna have not gonna have a meeting of the minds there and i don't need an a in every class i need right, to uh, right. need to pass and get out of this institution as quick as humanly possible right but so basically i i had patched together a number of um not wildly healthy coping mechanisms and there wasn't maybe as much sleeping as there should have been and a little more driving uh, based on just deliriously tired but caffeining my way through it than there should have been but i developed some basics on that and had done enough work myself and then spent the next couple of years working on my actual issues once I had gotten my head above water on the school thing to be able to do the job I have now, which is essentially nothing but deadlines. Yep, right. That's the way we work. One of the things Glenn mentions about uh, our job being not – you don't really have to worry about crash testing. That's because everything is last minute. Yeah. Right, right. Because it's a never-ending stream of things you have to do. Right. There's not re- – we don't finish things a week early around here because right. we have to be doing the thing we need the week before. Right, right. But the the combination of as Glenn deciding, finding something I like, having done the work on myself, and having had to just basically find some survival tactics, all that built to a very good place. So all that to say – that's not. This is not going to be a f- switch you flip, but if you can start doing the things these guys have talked about and get on that front foot, that can lead somewhere very good and a little quicker than you would think. Yeah. And you're going to yeah. get on the other side of the stuff uh, far less of a slog than it may seem. We're going to jump to our second question here. It comes into our email address, and it says, I'm going into full-time church ministry soon to another church to work with young people. Or more like to find the young people, 13 years and older, because the church I'm going to has very few of them attending the service of their youth ministry. Do you have any advice or tips for me on leaving my worldly job to do full-time church ministry? And Lee, as the only one of us who works in full-time church ministry, why don't you start (laughs) us off here? Sure, I'd love to. Um, Hey, hope things go well for you. It's really cool that you're getting a chance to do this. And um, I would say one of the things that is... um, as far as doing church ministry, 
especially if you're coming out of, as you call it, like a, you know, like a worldly full-time job into a full-time job in ministry is that where people get hung up and dude, so many churches are hung up on this is that they want church to look like everything else, like like whether that's a store or a concert, everything else in the way that the world works. And so one of the biggest things you have to do is you have to change the way that you think about what success is or what the goals are. Um, like if you run a, if you run like a, if you're the manager of an old Navy, you know, or a target or something, then what you want is you want to make money. And in order to do that, you want to get as many people in the doors of that place as possible. And so you'll do anything to get them in the promotions, the, the, you know, commercials that just everything, whatever it takes to get as many feet in there because feet are attached to pants that have wallets in them, you know? So like you just get as many people in there to spend as much money as possible. And, um, unfortunately there are churches who see things that way. Um, we want to get as many people in here because when there's, when there's more people and there's more money and there's more stuff, then that equals good. And that's how we know that we're doing this well. Um, and sometimes they'll even say, you know, the goal is souls and they'll, but it's not really what they mean very much. And, um, and so you have to kind of change the way that you think about that. What I would say is, especially if you're about to go work in a church where there's not a lot of kids involved in it, and people are looking at you and saying, can you come in and revive this ministry? The first thing you've got to do is decide from the front, I'm not going to worry what those people think about this. And I can't look at what it looks like. Um, ministry done Jesus's way is going to be slower than anybody wants it to be. It's going to oftentimes look much smaller than anybody wants it to be. I've heard Glenn say it, and this is super true, that the most effective that any of us on this podcast are in ministry is when we're one-on-one with someone. And what that means is a lot of, that means you you know, a lot of churches, the focus is let's have the coolest program in town and invite as many people to the coolest program so that we can get as many, because as many people as we can, that equals good. But actually, ministry is slow. It's best when it's one-on-one. It's oftentimes completely misunderstood from how important it is. If you were to just, for instance, just read the Gospel of John, you would find Jesus in a lot of one-on-one conversations, a lot of times with lonely, hurting people, a lot of times with marginalized, outcast people, you would find him in conversations with people that nobody else cared about and that nobody else valued. And what you want to do as far as finding kids is you want to go to where teenagers are, you want to go to where kids are, and you want to look for lonely kids, for hurting kids, for somebody that needs somebody to talk to, and you want to be that person. Be the person that can, will hang out with them, who is not in a hurry, who's willing to just chill, talk about movies, the basketball game that was on last night, whatever the, you know, the, the, uh, the role-playing card game that they're playing at lunch, right? Just dive in there, learn the rules, hang out with them, ans- answer their questions, get to know them, start praying for them, hang out with them the next time you already know their name. It, it goes slow. It takes time. It's a ministry time bomb, but that's the way that you want to build this thing. You want to build it the way Jesus did. Relationships, one-on-one, slowly, not based on programs, not about numbers, not worried about what it looks like. That's absolutely right. It's a great place to start. And Glenn, you do a lot of 
obviously do a lot of ministry. You also do a lot of coaching on people who are uh, doing church stuff, particularly church planting. So kind mm-hmm. of getting that ball rolling. What would you tell our friend here? Well, and I I would uh, start by replaying what, what Lee just said, because uh, all of that is precisely on point and exactly the way I would put it. Uh, I think, uh, first and foremost, if you want to kind of uh, build on what Lee is saying there, uh, start by putting yourself out of a job and having that thought. Mm-hmm. If, I, if I'm doing what Lee's saying here, I'm building a lot of one-on-one relationships. I'm getting a lot of depth. I'm not trying to spread out and, and make it big and far and wide. I'm building deep. I'm putting down deep roots with each of these individuals. If I'm finding people who are teachable, that are open, where I can, I can uh, give them my spiritual DNA, where they're able to then duplicate that and share that with others, uh, I'm putting myself out of a job. So I'm, I'm thinking from day one of what does this person, what, are their, what is their potential? What is their giftedness? What, what is it that they bring to the table? That's going to change really how you look at everything. When you, part of what Lee is saying is if you think in terms of I'm going to build an amazing program, then the program is a thing that needs to be awesome, right? But it's very, very, very different when you're saying, I could see this person doing this. I could see this other person doing right. that. One of these days, this person is going to be the best person at this other thing, you know. And you're 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 thinking in terms of developing people, not programs, and that that changes everything. Uh, I think right away, uh, challenge people. Uh, that's really key. I see like a lot. Fights? Yeah, just yeah. Let's box. <laughs> sure. No, uh, I think establish dominance. Yeah, <laughs> I think there's a lot of. Um, trying to make everything cozy and comfortable and neato and fun and exciting and entertaining, as Lee was talking about, um, uh, that doesn't really do anything for growth on people. You know, you just get a lot of spiritual babies all in the same place all at the same time. That's not, that's, you haven't done anything yet. Uh, but when you challenge people, that creates an entirely different dynamic where you're saying, uh, you know, here's something I think that you'd be great at. I want you to take a shot at it. You won't be great at it at first, but then we'll talk about it and we'll look at it and we'll see what's going on. You're getting people out of their comfort zone and you're getting them used to trusting you. When you say, I think you can do this good enough and you can give it a shot, I think you'll have a feel for it. It won't be perfect, but I think you can do it. Do it this way, do it that way, do it this other way. Take a shot. If people rise up to that challenge and they get you know a certain amount of success or competency behind that, they start to feel excited about the next thing that you tell them that they can do. They start thinking they can do whatever you tell them that that, that they can do. That's a big big difference. Uh, and then I think the, the third thing along those those lines is to build an authentic community. Uh, this is what everybody in the world is looking for. Uh, if, if you want to have successful ministry, to it, it will be, you know, as they say in 12-step programs, you're only as sick as your secrets, and that's true for churches. It's, it's true for youth groups. Uh, to the extent that people are faking when they're there, they're never going to be happy. It's not going to be a healthy dynamic. They're not going to feel at home. They're not going to feel relaxed. If you can get young people in an environment where they can be uh, vulnerable with one another, where they can be honest with one another, 
where they can talk through their challenges and help each other with uh, what they're going through and, and lean on each other and encourage one another, you're going to have an entirely different dynamic. Uh, the, that sense of a community and that sense of an authentic connection is what everybody in the world is, is looking for. If you can do that, forget about the bells and whistles mm-hmm. and the, the, the skits and the games and the props and all that other. That will work every single time. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Jed, what would you have to add to that? Well, I, I agree with everything that's already been said. I just had two quick things for you to look at. The first is to be kind to yourself. Yeah. Uh, ministry is really hard work, man. Yeah. And it's it's hard in a way that is going to take you by surprise. Uh, yeah. the, the, the jump from being a very involved volunteer to being a ministry professional <laughs> is a big jump. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's going to feel a lot different than you think it is. So don't judge yourself mm-hmm. and uh, recognize you're going to take some time to acclimate. It takes a long time to get used to this stuff. Um, the, the other side of that is um, you're going to face a lot more unkindness and unpleasantness than you think you are. Yeah. Uh, I don't say mm-hmm. that to discourage you, but just so you know... Um, People are really cruel towards people in ministry, yeah, uh, and particularly towards people in youth ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you need to be kind to yourself because they're not going to be kind to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you and you're not talking about the children. I'm not talking about the kids. I'm talking about their parents yeah. uh, and the church staff. Yeah, yeah. So um, you need to be kind to your own self because the other adults are not going to be kind to you. Mm-hmm. And then, so part of that then is it's important for you to celebrate the little victories along the way. Um, what would be great would be if you help Timmy out and Timmy's parents come to you and, and they're in tears and they're thankful and here are cookies we baked you <laughs> out of gratitude. That's never, ever going to happen. Yeah, no, ever. No. Um, if you help Timmy out and he has a breakthrough and he knows the Lord better, you celebrate that. Yeah, that yeah. scene um, Jed just described goes into the fantasy category of the Christian Oscars. Right. Yeah. 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 You will have victories. You'll see the Lord do great things and, and involve you in them. You must celebrate those things. Yeah. The parents of these kids will not celebrate them. Unfortunately, the staff of the church will probably not celebrate them. So you must celebrate them. If you're married, you and your spouse need to celebrate them together. If you've got a boyfriend or girlfriend, you and the person you're dating need to celebrate them together. But you need to get in the habit of celebrating every little victory you can along the way. That's part of being kind to yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that really falls under the category of self-care, which is something you need to work very very, very intentionally on, because uh, that's part of what's going to keep you going. That's that's really perfect. I will I will add something to the end here as the person who has most recently made the transition from not ministry professional to ministry professional, and it's at the at the outset of it, it's going to sound like a contradiction to things you've heard from Lee and Glenn. It's not, and I'll tell you why that is if you give me a second. Um, you must remember the very there are some big differences between working at a church or in ministry and working somewhere else. One of the things that's very much the same is you have a boss. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're. Your number, your only job requirement is to please your boss. Right. So, if you're going into a situation where say there's not a lot of kids, the thing, uh, my guess would be from having been around some church and worked with them, uh, the boss is going to tell you get kids at this meeting. Right. Now, that's right. That's um, you can do all sorts of amazing one-on-one ministry and deep discipleship with Susie, but if you only do it with six kids, you're going to get fired at the end of the first year. Right. Because the directive from your boss was kids at meeting. Right. Kids on Sunday morning. Here's why that's actually, I'm not actually telling you anything different than Lee and Glenn told you. I'm just giving you a little different perspective on it. The best way to do that wide stuff is to do exactly what they're telling you. Right. And go where the kids are and have relationships and get a reputation for being that person. Now, along the way, that may mean you do more 
ice cream nights than you would if your goal was just to do the best right. ministry possible. Mm-hmm. But that's fine. And you may do mm-hmm. more skits and games than Glenn thinks no skits and games are necessary. Right. That's 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 Glenn's prerogative, and he yes. is correct in that. But yeah. there are many very successful youth ministry professionals who do them because I, you know, I you're the team, and this goes to seeing the potential. People say. Jimmy, you're my team captain. I need the red right. team to make a good showings. We're doing, right. we're doing pool war. So come on with me. And that's that's putting yourself out of out of a job. That's all mm-hmm. these things you guys have talked about. But you can point all those good strategies towards the goals your boss yes. is going to give you. Yeah. Yes. The thing that you don't want to do, and we don't want for you, is to do a very good job at something your boss doesn't care about, right. and then be in a position where you have that causes a lot of stress in your life. Yeah, because you did a lot of great ministry and a lot of good stuff, but you didn't carry out the objectives that will keep you employed. So you right. can't keep doing those good things. Exactly. So all the stuff these guys told you is absolutely right. It is, but it is strategy yeah. as opposed to goals. The goals That's are what right. you get from your boss. Yeah. Then you use a good strategy to implement those and That's which you've right. heard a lot of, and we're more than happy to have hit bumps along the way right in. And we will be happy to keep answering questions about that. We're going to move on to our final question here. It comes in to our email address and it says, It has become clear to me that I need to leave my parents' church. It's very legalistic, and the culture is toxic in a lot of ways, gossiping about each other, judging on each other, etc. My parents are very involved in the church and really buy into what the leadership says about how church should be. So how do I go about this conversation? And Glenn, can you start us off? Well, uh, bless your heart. Uh, I don't think this is going to go well. Yep. So let's, uh, let's acclimate ourselves to that. That doesn't sound fun. Yeah, it's, it's but not. counterintuitively, if you uh, acclimate yourself to the idea that it probably won't go well, it will go a lot better than if you march in blind, assuming yes. we're all going to sing "Kumbaya." By the end of <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, assuming the worst, and it's it's going to help you uh, deal with the situation uh, much better. Uh, this is about setting realistic goals, and and the the first big hint I'll give you about setting a realistic goal of this meeting is it is not realistic to expect that this would go well and that they would be happy for you and that it would And that's go. what you mean by go well at this point, is your parents will say, yeah. well, I just want you to have your spiritual needs met. And yeah, that's... We respect you for taking this into your own hands yeah. and being a mature young man. And Yeah, that's... That's, it's that's extreme, not going to happen. That's not going no. to happen. But the, let's talk about why uh, that that's not... or is severely unlikely to happen. It's because they think this church is just fine the way it is. That's why they're uh-huh. going. Yep. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I've had conversations with someone uh, in a family dynamic like this where they say, I was the first one to leave. Everybody lost their minds when I did that. And six months later, everyone else had left. Yep. <laughs> now, there, there was never a moment where they all said I was right, and yep. thank God you led the way on that. But it's about recognizing round one on this uh, is is not going to go well because again to to them they think it's acceptable that's why they're there if they didn't think it was acceptable they wouldn't go uh, so they are going to disagree with you in terms of all these conclusions that you've you've reached and that's okay it's it's fine to say hey mom and dad if you guys like it that's fine it's not the thing for me I'm going to go somewhere else but it's important for you to recognize they will not agree with you on that and yeah. it's not even reasonable for you to expect that that's yeah. not an, it's not a fair expectation of that situation um uh, as such what you're looking to do here 
is to discuss with them perhaps while you're leaving and to uh, uh, explain why it is that you're leaving. But that's different from a debate. That's yep. different from a, uh, uh, a, a explanation. A, yeah, yeah. It's you know, we're if I'm saying if you're say if I say I'd like to leave, and they say, well, you know, why would that be? Well, it's uh, it's it's kind of legalistic, judgy, and schmucky. So I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> They're not going to like that. Yeah. That's not again. That's not a reasonable expectation. Their likely thing is, well, we don't think it's uh, mm-hmm. judgy and schmucky. Let now we're me, debating on whether or not it's legalistic and how legalistic it's right. too legalistic. That's right. And that's where you need to draw that line with them of like, I I know that you don't think it's schmucky, but I do. That would be the reason why I'm going and you're staying. That's what we're that's what we've sussed out of this conversation. Uh but I think sometimes we can get into a mode with people where they we're inviting them to talk us out of a decision right, yeah, right. without realizing it, and that's that's the part where we have to be clear because you're you're sort of putting them again in in an uh, uncomfortable, unrealistic kind of position where they say, you know, well, I, I'd like to leave. Well, no, but, you know, I, it's not that bad. I think you ought to hang in there, and I think you're leaving for all the wrong reasons, and so on and so forth. Uh, yeah, I think you can come back and say, okay, I respect your point of view. I've heard what you had to say. I will be praying it up. Uh, but just so you know, you know, I've 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 put some thought and prayer into this already. This is really for sure what I'm going to do, and yeah, um, exactly. uh, you know, I and I don't expect you guys to like it, and I don't, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I recognize that you have a different take on this, and I respect that and respect you. I'm not telling you. I think you need to leave. I'm just telling you what I'm here to do. Well, you know, but yes, but the, the you know, this is because of this. No, I, I, I do. I get it. I, I see exactly what you're saying. I understand that I don't agree with it, as you can tell. But, uh, you know, uh, I've, the, I've made a decision. I'm just, if you, if you want me to explain it, I'd be happy to ex- explain it to you. But I'm actually not, I'm not in a position to where I'm looking for you to work through that with me. I've yeah. already finished the process of working through that decision. Trying to explain that to people and helping them understand that is key. Now there are some parents, bless them, who don't like any part of that because they just want to call shots. They want to call the shots. And if you have that type of parent, uh, they are super not going to like this, and this is going to be a really, really bad and really unpleasant kind of thing. But uh, but I think in in that case, what you're looking to do is to minimize the damage that they do to that relationship. Because mm. if, if they change their minds later and they want to, you know, get this back on track, you want to be able to uh, have done something to prevent them from burning that bridge behind them while they're, while they're having the discussion. So unfortunately that means cutting them off as they're in the middle of their little rantings, you know. Well, you know, I think you just you don't want to go there because you want to hear what your itching ears want to be told. And you don't, you can't stand this. And you, besides, I saw you listen to that music and you watched that program, and uh, you know, the, 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 we're getting more and more wound up. That's yeah. where you say, "Time out, time out, parent. Love you, parent. Got it. Understood." And I'm going to give it some thought. I'm going to consider what you're saying, but it's important for you to recognize I've made a decision here. I'm just telling you what the decision is, and. Don't say something that you'll regret later. Yep. You know that kind of thing. So you know we don't want to we don't want to paint a, an ugly or negative picture on that, but we do want to manage those expectations and and recognize. Uh, let's 
let's do what we can to make this as positive an interaction on round two and three and mm. four, recognizing round yeah. one's going to kind of suck. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. There is a, I think, but you're talking about the setting the expectation here. And again, <clears throat> we're not saying your parents are going to freak out. Right. It's a strong possibility. Right. And uh, just on a purely practical tip, it will be a lot better for you to, uh, this is a hope for the best, prepare for the worst situation. Yeah. If you say, I have a plan in place for what I'm going to do if there's a full-on freak out. Right. If there's anything less than a full-on freak out, Great. then we, we have a Lovely. better day than we thought we were going to have. Yep. If you go in saying either I, which most people do when they do this, either I have no plan. Right. Or... <laughs> I'm just going to hope for the best end of sentence there. Yeah. Um, then this all gets any negativity, which yeah. is going to be negativity. You are giving bad news. Yeah, and it, it does feel a little funny to to expect the worst of your own parents. That doesn't yes. feel very Christian, but this, you have to understand the dynamic of the situation. I guess it feels odd to some people. I don't relate to those people, but that's okay. <laughs> um, if you're one of those people, congratulations. Yeah, I, yeah. I envy your childhood. But again, it, if you say, well, it'll probably go fine. Mm. Without thinking through any of this stuff, again, this can feel weird to think, this can feel pessimistic, but we really want to prepare, we want you to prepare for the worst possible scenario because it could happen and you need to be prepared for it. Mm -hmm. If anything else happens in the wide world of possibilities, you'll be able to handle that too. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what we're talking about when we're talking about these realistic expectations. And Lee, I think you can definitely speak to that because you've had a, a fairly similar uh, experience that did not lead to what we would t think of as a full-on nuclear-level freak-out, sure. but probably led to some issues you may not have been prepared for and some you were prepared for. So how right. did that go for you? Yeah, I, the, this, uh, I, I had a very similar conversation with my folks when I was um, a senior in high school, still living in their house. And, um, and it, was a, it was one of the few times that, you know, when I was a, a human being of that age that I stopped for a second and thought, how do I want to do this? Uh, conversation uh, that wasn't my norm my normal thing was just well hi dive here we go you know dive into every conversation and you know most of them turned into tire fires but especially with my folks at that time but uh, but yeah I, I thought about this one a little bit and when I went into this conversation my goal was you know my thought was this could go badly uh, this could go okay but I did have in my mind the thing that Glenn said which was but this isn't a debate and, I, you know, I'm, at that time I was 18 years old. I was still living at home. I was still in high school. But, um, but, I, but I'd already determined this is what I'm going to do. I'm informing you of what I'm going to do. Um, but I did go into that conversation. I had, I had the good sense to say, um, to say uh, I want to thank you guys for, you know, taking me to church my whole life. That was cool. I mean, you, you've cared about my spiritual life and development, and I recognize that. And in other words, like, you know, I don't remember exactly how I said it, but my, my thought process was, I'm going to enter this situation with respect. Because one thing that I had learned by that time was that you can set the tone of a conversation um, by, by giving out the thing that you hope to receive. So with, with even mildly... Um, you know, not crazy people. E even if they're, even if your folks are like a little crazy, but like not completely and totally insane. 
if you enter into a conversation, you're you're hoping to be treated with respect, and you lead out with respect, a lot of times you're going to get a little respect back, depending on what the issue is. Not always, but you can you can sometimes set the tone for how a con- you can't completely manipulate how something's going to go, but you can a lot of times set the tone for a conversation by going in there and saying, "Hey, let me start out by." Uh, before I tell you what I want to talk about, I want to I want to thank you guys, and I want to show some respect. And um, and you know, and and look, it, my situation was, I'd really like to to have um a lot of believing friends around me, and all of my friends at the high school that where I go who who are walking with Jesus, they all go over here. And I've started having, you know, uh, I've started talking to this dude that's the pastor of this place, and I've got all these friends over here, and I really want to uh, figure out what it would look like to walk with Jesus with some friends. There's nobody in my senior class who goes to this church that where I have been raised. And, uh, and I didn't go in there with a flamethrower burning down that church. Now, I could have done. I could have gone off on this place, but I didn't do that. I just thanked him and and tried to show some respect, and then said, here's what I'm going to do, because this is what I'm looking for. And they handled it well. I mean, I think their feelings were hurt. It wasn't, you know, it, they, they weren't like, we're going to go visit the new church with you, and we think that's great, and it's amazing. One really interesting thing is, as Glenn said, after a while, nobody went to the old church anymore. Um, <laughs> right. But I didn't go in there saying this is a legalistic nightmare, even though it pretty much was. Um, I just went in thanking them and saying, this is what I've decided to do, and these are the reasons. And it wasn't, it, you know, it wasn't a Disney movie. We didn't all hold hands and sing harmony, you know, to a song we just made up on the spot or anything like that. But it, they did answer back with some respect towards me. We did set a tone for that conversation, and that was kind of cool. And it eventually was a complete non-issue with total support. I actually work at the church now that everybody thinks it's lovely and wonderful. But at the time, at the time, it was a little hinky. But there was kind of a mutual respect going back and forth, and that was a pretty that was a pretty big win. Absolutely, that's a really fantastic story. I think brings a lot of this good stuff out. And Jed has has been your role in this particular episode. As I look back on these questions to speak to the uh, the unglamorous and practical details, and I'm asking you to do that one more time. Given the is you know Lee talked about you know going through this when he's still living under somebody's roof, and there's financial ties and relational ties. There are a bunch of aspects here that will vary certain things about this conversation, but there are things you need to have a plan for. Yep. So what, what does someone's plan need to look like before they go into this kind of conversation? Well, as you say, uh, the, the question writer ended their question, how do I go about this conversation? And the, the answer is the details of the conversation vary a lot depending on the details of your situation, mm-hmm. like a whole lot. Let's talk for a second about a concept called leverage. This is something Christians don't think about very often, but it's what drives most behavior in the world. Leverage is when another person has power over your circumstances. They can control things about your life, and then they use that power to cause you to behave or live a certain way, right? That's, that's just life. And, and if you think about it, there are examples of leverage everywhere you go. Like if you work a job, your boss has a huge amount of leverage over you. You, you need that paycheck Therefore, they can tell you to act a certain way and show up at a certain time. That is leverage over you that this person has. Now, that that's actually kind of a good kind of leverage. That's the way that's supposed to work. Um, but lots of relationships have leverage. Your parents have leverage over you. Right. Yeah. They um, uh, the the smallest amount of leverage they have over you is 
we are your parents and our opinion of you affects you. Mm-hmm. Um, if we if we say you are a good child, you feel good about that and are happy. If we say you are a bad child, you feel bad about that and are unhappy. And you would think, yeah, but they would never use that against me. Yes, they would. Uh. Yeah, yeah, they would. Uh, the, the thing to understand is that's the minimum amount of leverage that your parents have over you uh, because all parents have that degree of leverage over mm-hmm. their children. Um the thing that we need to ask you is, are you living at home? Right. Because yeah. if you're living at home, exactly. your parents have a lot of leverage yeah. over you. Yeah. I mean a lot. Yeah. Um, uh, food, Lee, food, clothing, and shelter is a lot of leverage. Food, clothing, and shelter is a lot of leverage. If you're living at home and your parents pay your bills and buy the food and uh, you know pay for the clothes that go on your back, um, here's the thing on that is it would be fantastic for you to be able to have a reasoned, measured, respectful conversation with them and for them to say, hey, we don't. We don't agree, but we certainly we want to support your decisions, and we just want you to, to go and, and you know do what's best for you. That'd be amazing. And as Lee is pointing out, that that is possible. That mm-hmm. that can happen. Another thing that is possible is your dad saying, if you live in this house, you buy by my rules. I'll tell yeah. you where to go to church. That's right. exactly right. If you don't want to be there on Sunday morning, get out. Right. That's also possible. That may be more likely of the two, just, mm-hmm. just so we're clear. So the thing that we want to look at, or a raging guilt trip to that effect. Or a raging guilt trip to that effect. The thing that we want to look at is, are you prepared to make some changes in your life to reduce the amount of leverage that your parents have over you? Mm-hmm. Um, if, you're, if you're living at home, um, and I, I've got a thought experiment I'd like you to, to conduct. Uh, if you're living at home, um, are you prepared to not live at home anymore? Are you prepared to do the work necessary to get your own place and have a job where you're able to pay rent and pay your bills? Because if you're willing to do that, then not only can you have this decision, you can have this conversation and and go to a better church, you can have a lot of better stuff in your life. Here's the thought experiment that I want you to think about. Things in life very rarely occur in a vacuum. It is very rare that you have a completely loving, well-adjusted family where everything is great and you just happen to go to a monstrously legalistic, destructive church. Right. Let me say that again. It is very rare to be in a family situation where everything is wonderful and beautiful and great and everybody loves everybody and is just super supportive, but it just so happens that we all attend what is basically a tire fire of a church. Right. It's possible, right. but it's not likely. Right. What's right. far, far more likely is the church is representative of a lot of other dynamics that are true in your life that you maybe haven't started to look at yet. The church is legalistic and unkind and cruel. There's every chance that actually much of your family life is legalistic and unkind and cruel. Right. And the thing is, we need to make a lot more changes than you think you need to make. If it's, if it's beginning to occur to you, this church is boned and I need to not be around it, the, the odds are very high. There's a lot about your life that's messed up that you need to not be around. Yeah. And a lot of that's going to actually center around your family. The more that you're able to reduce the leverage that people have over you, the more you're going to be able to make the other changes that you need to make too. Because this is the point. Even if you have the best case scenario of sitting down with your family and saying, hey, here's where I'm at, and say, hey, we don't agree, but we support it and whatnot, you're going to find there's still a dozen other changes you need to make. Right. That's right. They yeah. are not going to be cool with all those changes. Yes, say that. That is just not going to happen. Yeah. The thing that's going to make it better for you, and to go back to Glenn's point of not tempting them to damage the relationship that's going to make it easier for them, is if you have your own place. Yeah. If you're paying your own bills, paying your own rent, doing your own thing, it's way easier for you to draw the boundaries you need to draw, and it's way easier for them 
them to react in a healthy way to those boundaries. Because to be honest, from their perspective, it is pretty tempting to say, I pay all your bills and you're going to tell me how it goes down? Right. I don't think so. Right. I mean, that that's asking a bit much, yeah. uh, if, if we're going to be honest about it. But you can take the initiative to get your own place, get set up, pay your own bills, and that's going to be better for everybody. Yeah, That's absolutely right. You've heard a lot of fantastic about this. I will very quickly add that Jed mentions that the the leverage situation, the details, uh, affect a lot of things about this conversation. One of the main things they sh- might affect is timing. Yes. Um, do, we talked about, you know, prayer for the best and hope for the, hope for the best and prayer for the worst. Don't do it the other way around. That would be very, very counterproductive. Um, you, you don't want to go into a situation that could break bad in a serious way without having anything set up. Yeah. That doesn't necessarily mean you have to have, you know— uh, 10 grand saved up and, you know, a new place picked out and all that stuff. But you want to have some idea of, you want to be able to answer the question, if this goes as bad as it could, how, how does tomorrow look in a Mm -hmm. somewhat sustainable way? And that's, that's not as difficult as you may think. We deal with that in our day job with people all the time who it's, it's not going to be glamorous. You're not going to be staying at the Waldorf Astoria tomorrow, but you can have a roof over your head. You can have a plan. You can move forward and all that stuff is, very available to you. All right. Thanks for listening. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. We're taking out the song. Uh, Monday, a, we dropped a new episode of our Bridge Podcast. It's another one of our great Christian thinker episodes. This one is about St. Valentine. It features a guest song from our friend, national singer-songwriter Rick Lee James, but it also features a song from our very own Lee Younger. We're going to take it with that. This is a Lee song called No Love. We'll take out with that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. The Say That Podcast 2017 winner for Best Fake Christian Movie Review Podcast. No love.